For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Dumb by The Fail Coach. And we have another interview here. I have Mr. Daniel here with me. And without any further ado, Daniel, welcome to the show. And can you please just shortly tell us who you are and what do you do? Hey, Miha, thank you so much for having me, man. I am a actually professional DJ based here in New York City. And uh, for the last 12 years, I've run an entertainment company that is focused around the wedding and corporate market. Uh, what we're really passionate about is um, just helping, um, helping the premium client. We're not so much in the big quantity business. There are, there are companies that run very high quantity businesses. We want to go more quality and focus more on customer experience so that, you know, so the the close customer um, relationships are, are super important for us. Um, been in New York my entire life. Now I'm building a education and coaching business where I can teach businesses that are in the service-based industry or in the wedding market or even in the DJ business on how to quit their nine to five, work in an area that they're super passionate about and ultimately uh, make really, really good money while doing it. Okay. Well, you know, excuse me, but I do have to ask, how does a DJ becomes an online entrepreneur? What, what got you there? That's a great question. So I come from a very musical background. Uh, back in middle school, I was part of a boy band with a few other dancers, singers, and we were very much into the onstage performance stuff um, very early on. I mean, middle school, what's that, 12, 13 years old? Um, so music was something that I was always very passionate about. And from there, I went to a high school called Frank Sinatra School of the Arts, which was founded by one of Frank Sinatra's closest friends, Tony Bennett. And I happened to go there for vocal performance. And for three, four years, I believe I was there three years because I started in my sophomore year. So for three years, I was in a school for performing arts where we did all kinds of things, uh, from singing in a choir to musical theater to doing improvisation and some acting. And uh, it was really, really, really special time for me because it just really brought me out of my shell and, and helped me understand that I can be whoever I want to be. I didn't need to hold anything back. If I wanted to be silly, I could. And you know, ultimately became so in love with music that I went to a private college in New York, Five Towns College, for a focus in business management with a concentration in audio technology. It's kind of like a performing arts college, 
But instead of me going there for vocal performance, I went for business with a concentration in audio technology. So being kind of the nerd in the recording space was something I I really wanted to do. I wanted to be like a producer, an engineer, somebody behind the scenes. So I gained that technical knowledge of how to produce music and how to record, but it wasn't really passionate for me. I said to myself, all right, what can I do that I'm just going to really, really love to do? I don't want to be sitting in recording studios where these uh, these recording artists are doing their thing. I want to do my thing. And while I was a great singer, I knew that I didn't want to be the next Justin Timberlake. I, I knew my role and I felt like, I, why not bring my passions for entertainment into the live setting? So I somebody asked me, they said, hey, do you DJ? And I said, well, I have a recording studio at home and I kind of could DJ. I didn't say this to them, but I, I, in my head I said, I could probably just get some equipment and make it happen. So the first event I ever did was uh, when I was around 19 years old and really just fast forward. I, I was referral, 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 and uh, actually worked for Apple while, while in college. And you know, it, it got to the point where I started to say, all right, how can I take some principles from Apple Incorporated and apply it to my entertainment business? And one thing led to another. I started to become really obsessed with branding and how to make a company look beautiful and I took principles from Apple, uh, and they're actually their retail um, credo is based off of the Ritz Carlton, which are the hospitality five star standards of the hotel and, and hospitality business. So principles that I pulled from Apple, which was from the Ritz Carlton, it started to become part of my my day to day, my my DNA, and I decided to to go full-time. I, I left Apple in 2009 and have been a full-time entrepreneur ever since and uh, couldn't have chosen a better route. Okay. This is all very, very impressive. I mean, I think my audience so far is already familiar with my obsession or my love for Apple products. And, uh, you know, I've learned so much about uh keynotes and even the you know uh, sharing the story and stuff like that from uh, keynotes by Steve Jobs and 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 so on and so on so uh, I'm sure this will be an interesting conversation Uh, but one thing really got to me when when you said it like customer satisfaction and my my experience so far is that not many companies really put that high enough that customer satisfaction is somewhere buried you know under marketing or under sales and i believe it should be like a c-level position by its own because it's it's so important because that's how you create loyalty fans referrals and all of that and I would love to steer the conversation into that direction. So I really want to hear, you know, your experience or or your take on, um, you know, anything to do with client satisfaction. And you yourself said that you prefer working not with the Walmarts, but with the Louis Vuittons, if if we say like that. So not with the uh, companies that are centered on selling as much as possible to uh, as bigger as big audience as possible, but to niche companies selling more high ticket 
things to lesser lesser number of clients. So if you can dive into that. Absolutely. I mean, you, you said it, we already, I think our values align so well so far that there's riches in the niches. I'm not trying to be the company that does everything and wears all the hats and can bring it all to the table. I feel like it sort of dilutes the, um, the, the reason why customers really want to work with you. Because if you can specialize, I use the analogy of a general physician versus a heart surgeon. If you have, are having heart problems and need the right person, are you willing to spend more money for somebody that knows more about how to keep you alive? And the answer is yes for everybody. And that's, that's really what I like to, to teach to people is if you're creating a company or if you're trying to figure out how you can rise above the noise of businesses that, that everybody's trying to compete is become a specialist in whatever area you're in and you'll be able to market and effectively communicate to the right customer on a deep level and therefore can charge more premium rates. Um, so I'm, I'm a big believer on, on niching down, kind of like that analogy you said, versus a um, sort of Walmart versus a, a luxury brand. But to, to really touch on what you were saying about customer satisfaction, um, I think something that I, I really, really love to, to give to my clients is something absolutely extraordinary that they don't expect in my job responsibility. So what do I mean by that is when, when people reach out to our company, um, we're DLE Event Group in New York. When they reach out to us, we, we believe that 49% of the success of what we bring to that customer is our service. And then the other 51% is how we make the customer feel along that journey. I think that 51%, we also call it uh, customer experience, is the main differentiator for companies that are memorable, companies that are consistently referred to. And, you know, ultimately, customer experience is why we're talking about Apple right now and not about Microsoft. Customer experience is why a story from Zappos, you know, why is Zappos so big? It's because their customer service is beyond service, but more of an experience. There's this comparison that I, I love to give. It's what is the difference between customer service and customer experience? And I think there's a big gray area there. Like, what do you mean? We just, you know, we try to tr treat our customers well. And, you know, the big difference is customer service is a reactive type of service. So we'll use this analogy, like a if you call AT&T, that's the phone service I have, you call AT&T and you're having some kind of problem, you, you, you need their help. You call them up and they say, oh, hi, how's it going? How can we help you? They could be very friendly, but they're reacting to you and, and there's nothing extraordinary about that service. So I call them up and say, hey, you know, my, my phone is, my voicemail is not working. Can can you help us out? Oh, sir, right away. Let me see what I can do. Sometimes they're not even that nice. Sometimes they're just reacting to, <laughs> to okay, let me see what I can do. Have you reset your phone, sir? Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, let me just reset it. Oh, wait, that fixed it. Okay, great. Thanks so much for your help. Goodbye. That's service. And the same thing happens in stores, in an AT&T store, in the same example. You walk inside. You're so excited. You're ready to get a new phone. And maybe... 
maybe 20% of the time it's like, wow, that person was extra kind. But, you know, we live in a world where it's like customer service is kind of diluted. People are not excited to, to be doing what they do. And they're just there to react and to assist and to hopefully make you not upset during the, during the entire experience. Uh, when I was at Apple, I, you know, they taught us to kind of be quite the contrary. Treat people, just talk to them, hang out with them. I think that's why people love going into Apple stores. And, uh, and you know, and that human side of it is what customer service needs to be more of. Great people in customer service are more like the Zappos. But if you can, as a company, graduate from being in customer service into being in customer experience, customer experience is more of a proactive approach to service. So that same example, if you call, let's say, American Express. Um, I actually have an American Express card that gives me you know, travel perks and it gives me lounge access at airports and so forth. But let's pretend I call American Express and I said, oh, hey, guys, uh, I'm calling because I just had a question about, um, you know, I'm looking to get to, to the right lounge. I'm flying from Miami to New York and I was wondering if you could just direct me, where do I go for the right lounge? Then they would say, okay, sir, right away. Let me see what, what, could, what I could do for you. Oh, actually, it seems to hear that the lounge is located here, 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 and here. Um, and by the way, we want to thank you so much for being a card member since 2001. Your loyalty um, and patronage is really appreciated. Um, and, and also, sir, I have, I have a note here in our system, and it said, um, last year, right around this time, you celebrated a birthday for you and your wife. We see that her birthday is coming up in three weeks, and I wanted to see if there's anything that we can do to help you make that a memorable birthday for her. Oh my God, you're right. Her birthday is in three weeks. My goodness. Thank you for asking. Well, sir, were you planning to travel or were you trying to stay at home for, for some sort of celebration? Ah, oh, well, I'm in New York and yeah, you know what? We're probably going to just stay in New York. Well, there's actually a really, really special thing that's happening right on your wife's birthday, if I might make a suggestion. So, you know, the, the point of the story is they had no need to mention helping in this birthday scenario, but they proactively said, how can I make this customer's experience one that they, that is beyond my job responsibility, but something that they would really appreciate and make us more memorable. And that little question of, oh, hey, you know, we've helped him in other ways. Let me see how we could potentially help him again the following year. So customer experience, the companies that really, really take customer experience to the next level and almost graduate um, from customer service to customer experience, it's like bringing people from a standard admission into that VIP treatment. And I think a lot of companies are really failing to say, how can we be more extraordinary in every customer interaction? And the ones that are failing are staying in that commoditized zone, like a Dell.com or calling up Dell support. It's all reactive. The ones that are really winning are being proactive and trying to be extraordinary for their customer. Amazingly explained. Really, really nice. But, you know, You've been talking a lot about corporations and our audience here is more entrepreneurs. Sure. And I I love examples. Can can you perhaps, you know, think of 
some smaller scale entrepreneurial scale examples that you know um, our audience can at least think about um, and maybe start implementing absolutely i mean i'm a entrepreneur at heart uh, and i think an example would be right in my um, business so i run a entertainment business that predominantly does weddings and corporate events in new york city so a fairly small business, entrepreneurial um, approach to business. But uh, an example might be if somebody comes and hires a DJ for their wedding, they go through appropriate channels, maybe they get somebody at a good discount or Groupon. Let's use Groupon as an example. Nothing against Groupon. But my clients aren't finding me on Groupon. They're, they're maybe finding somebody that um, is more of, a, more of a commodity. They're not the experienced people. Um, I'm generalizing here, but the point is, if they found somebody on a Groupon, um, somebody that might they may, may be spending three to five hundred dollars on, and then they come and hire, uh, and then another client comes and hires us for three to five thousand dollars per event. An example might be something like this: they they sign up with the company, and they come, they provide the service. Thank you so much. Have a great day. They did what they said they were going to do, and the customer was happy. On the flip side, a company like us is we're always thinking about how can we help them on a deeper level. So here's an example. We, we did a wedding that was in New York City at this really nice uh, members club located in Midtown. Um, and this really friendly couple, um, even like halfway through the event, the bride was just raving. She said, Daniel. I knew that I could trust you guys. I knew that I knew that uh, I you didn't know this, but there was issues with the florist and there was people calling me this morning and I just knew by by the way that you guys treated us leading up to our wedding day that we were going to be in good hands. And here we are having the freaking time of our life and I really want to thank you for that. So Miha, midway through the wedding, we had won already. We already wowed the customer. But I wasn't done. I I wanted to make sure that every piece of what I thought I can help was was something that I handled. So at the end of the wedding, you know, we were getting hugs and then people started to to dissipate, taking the elevator down. Now, there was only a few people left, mostly those that worked at the venue and myself and people on our team. The groom comes down. Um, and I say comes down because there's actually penthouses upstairs where, where the bride and groom were staying. The groom comes down and he says to the maitre d', the person at the venue, and says, you know what? My bride hasn't eaten anything this entire wedding. Do you have any food for her? She was having the time of her life and she forgot to eat. <laughs> and I'm, 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 listening. <laughs> I'm listening from across the room. I, I, I heard it. It wasn't a gigantic room. And in my head, I'm like, okay, let's see the response. And the maitre d' says, oh, you know, Tom, we don't have any more food. Everything's been put away. I'm so sorry. Wall, literally puts a wall in front of the groom who just had his wedding and his bride is upstairs hungry and he's trying to figure something out. And in my head, I'm like, are you telling me that this venue is not going to try to make something happen for this couple that just got married? So the groom is about to walk away and figure out his own thing. And I mean, this is New York. And I told, Come on. This is New York. 
So sometimes it, it seems so obvious in hindsight, Mia, but people just don't have that emotional intelligence on how to act in the moment. And this is what I would say to, to all of your listeners is common sense goes so much further than what you think your job role is. So what happened? I walked up to Tom and I said, Tom, I, I overheard that your bride is hungry and I'd love to go get her some sushi. Is she a sushi fan? He's like, well, actually she is, but, but Daniel, you don't have to do that. Tom, I, I would be happy to do that for you. Give me 30 minutes. I will be right back. So in my head, I said, well, I hope sushi is open nearby. <laughs> but I knew I was in, in a part of the city that was uh, like pretty, pretty open. It was about 1130 in the evening. So I jumped on Yelp. You can type in sushi and then, and then click open now. So I clicked uh, the filter that said open now. For those of you who didn't know the trick, now you know. You could search and then filter to which ones were open at the time. I ordered some food and I ran. I physically ran two blocks north, two blocks east to the sushi restaurant. And I got there before they were done. Um, I walk in and I'm panting. Hey, guys, I told them the story on the phone. Hey, a bride's hungry and everything. They're, I get there. They're smiling. They're like, oh, man, you're, you're really going to make their, their night. I said, well, if this, is, if this is all it takes, then I'd be glad to do this every single event. So we get the food. I timed it that an Uber picked me up right as the food was finishing up. And I go back about 33, 34 minutes later from, once, uh, from when the groom asked me, delivered it right to their door because they were staying um, several floors up in the same facilities that they got married in. Knocked on the door. I said, hey, guys, sushi has been served kind of with, uh, with a smile and, and with warmth. And they were just like, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, Daniel. Not, we knew that when we hired you that there was going to be something special. But the fact that you just did this and you didn't even have to, like it, it brought the, the bride like, to, to, like some misty little tears. She was getting emotional in all the good kind of ways. And they started... It started getting a little uncomfortable because he said, Daniel, we don't have any money to tip you or even pay for the sushi. I said, don't worry about it. Mija, what was it, like $35, yeah. whatever. Yeah. No big deal. And they were just so blown away, so appreciative. I said, look, it is not about the money. I wanted to make sure that your wedding night ended on a high note. And I'm just glad that I could be a small part in making your big celebration a success. So that's customer experience, everybody. You really, um, really have to think about how can you go above and beyond with your customer and do things that are outside of your job responsibility to show them that you're not only a good product or a good service, but you're an amazing person that cares about them. And that's how you get customers that rave about you forever. Just those little acts of kindness they can go so, Absolutely. so far. I mean, I do have a problem with how on earth can uh, <clears throat> can a wedding end at 11 p.m.? Because that's not how we do it in Europe. Here we go all night long. But okay, okay. <laughs> it's... Well, to be fair, okay. it was an older couple. Uh, most of our couples are probably in their 30s to 40s. This couple was oh, okay. um, over 60. So I believe it was from okay. like 7 to 11 
maybe even six to 10 or something like that. But yeah, most of our weddings end at midnight or one. But yeah, I know Europe. I've heard stories about Europe, man. We don't do that in New York. Ending at 5 a.m., 7 a.m. And, you know, Mykonos with the sunrise, like all yeah, these different yeah, parts. Yeah, that's how we do it in Europe. So, uh, but, you know, uh, one thing that interests me, you already, you mentioned that the wife came up to you in the middle of the night and thanked you for everything that you've done so far, how you walked them through the whole thing. I want to go to that as well, because you gave an amazing, you know, uh, an amazing uh, example here. But, you know, um, it really wasn't something you could predict. You had the empathy to react in the moment. And that's something that's usually very crucial. But I'm guessing that what you do prior to that is something that's kind of your in in your dna so i'm i'm sure you have like a system that you are over delivering or or giving them the extra attention from the moment they ring you up for the first time all the way up to the wedding can you share a little bit of that you know it it's sure and for me it it feels like it's second nature but i think if if we were to try to to dissect it a little bit it would be, how can I treat them like a gentleman? How can I treat them not just as a music person or somebody that knows how to make a room full of people dance, but how can I treat them like an absolute gentleman that they feel at ease, that not only am I treating them fairly and, and kindly, but I'm an expert in what I do. So I think there's a fine balance of of being business, 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 and then a fine balance of treating your customer like a customer. Find commonalities between you and them. Oh, you're from Pittsburgh. That's amazing. I actually saw a Steelers game when they played in New York against the uh, the New York Jets. Actually, the New York Jets play in New Jersey. That's complicated. But, but find commonalities. Find, find things that you can talk about with your customers outside of just the job role. Because the more you can connect with people outside of all of the transactional or kind of predictable conversations, the more that you could show your your genuinely friendly side, the more people are just going to say, wow, he's such a, a genuinely curious, kind person. Um, I think the best salespeople are those that are really curious and are passionate to figure out their customer and how they can bring their customer the best experience. It sounds kind of funny. You know, the world of sales and the, the way I talk about sales is me, you know, in the sale, I, my customers don't feel like they're being sold to. They just feel like, wow, this really genuinely passionate person is taking a genuine curiosity in how they can make our day so special. And the more curious you are, the more they're just going to fall in love with you as a person because they're like, wow, this person is taking a genuine interest in doing whatever it and, and, takes and, to go sorry, above and but yeah, And there's also the so psychology the, about yeah, the whole please. thing because the more you let them talk, um, because we all love ourselves the most, whether we want to admit that or not, but you know, when somebody let us talk and, and listens to us, it's like, oh my God, that's my perfect friend or, or something like that. And, and you, you, they start looking at you in a different way. I'm, I'm sorry, but yeah, it, it was just 
um, something. Yeah. yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah. And, and you just brought something else into my mind. They, they look at you for the expertise and, and helping them figure out. And, but they trust you even more if you can help them figure out things that they haven't even thought of yet. And I think that's how you can really become an expert almost after immediately meeting somebody where you're the, I always go back to the doctor's analogy where if, you know, you go to a doctor's office and you're like, okay, this is the first time I've been here. Uh, let's pretend it wasn't a referral. Let's pretend you just found somebody online. They had good reviews, but you still don't trust this person with your life, but you walk inside and you start talking and doctors saying, Oh, you know, you're having an issue with, let's pretend it's your foot. Oh yeah. So you must feel this kind of way when you walk. And also when you shower, you probably feel this way also. And man, when you, they're actually diagnosing you without you even telling them. And that's, I think, really how experts um, and, and professionals command that trust and that respect. Because if you can walk into a business and then the person you're considering is telling you everything that you feel, and this is like a sales analogy too, if you can tell people Something like, I'll use an example for me. Hey, it must be really overwhelming searching for wedding entertainment. And it also must be really, uh, you know, you, you don't know all the right questions to ask. And, and people are just saying yes in their head, yes in their head, yes in their head. So the more that you can curiously ask them um, or rather diagnose them with how they're feeling, the more trust you're going to build. So between that curiosity and helping them figure out things that they don't even know yet. You're going to just build such trust that they're going to want you to, to do whatever it possibly can be. I mean, all of my clients, they, they, they tell me they feel like family by the time, you know, the end of the night is up. Sometimes even before the wedding even starts, we're greeting each other with hugs and, and uh, just, just genuine warmth. Now I know everybody listening is not um, a wedding DJ or maybe even the wedding business. Um, but, Everything has some level of service. And if you can, like, like Gary Vaynerchuk, here's another example for those that aren't necessarily service businesses. And everybody's a service business, but here's where I'm going to trump use those of you that say, hey, but I'm, I don't do what Dan does. Gary Vaynerchuk used to run a wine business. It used to be called Wine Library TV. And he doesn't do the podcasts or uh, the video um, the video, what is it? Episodes anymore. But what does he do? He sells wine. Okay. People might argue, Oh, wine is, is just not that sexy. How do I be extraordinary with wine? Da, 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 da. Now what he's, what he would do was customers that would come in, he would appreciate them. And then this thing called Twitter came about and he used to follow his customers on Twitter. Okay. So what's, what's the big deal? Gary used to follow and, and interact and see the genuine interests of his customers. All right, so wh where were you going here, Dan? One day, Gary said, wow, there's this guy who's buying like a lot, of, a lot of cases of wine with us, and what can I do to really show him that we appreciate his business? So he saw that that customer was a huge football fan, particularly the Jets. Gary's actually a big Jets fan also. He said, all right, I'm going to send an autographed jersey 
of his favorite player. I know it's his favorite player because he said it on Twitter. I'm going to send an autographed jersey because we appreciate his business. Maybe it's going to cost us a couple hundred dollars. But this genuine act of kindness, giving without expectation, is going to be a good move because we appreciate him. And long story short, he was blown away by the gesture where he he referred dozens and dozens and dozens of people to Gary because he was in the hospitality business. And there's just that one little act of kindness that blew away that customer. So think of how you can just connect with your customers beyond the norm. We're in such an information society right now where you can go online and I can Google somebody's name. You can Google my name, find me on Instagram, Daniel Linares, L-I-N-A-R-E-S, and find what I'm interested in. And if you're trying to catch my attention or yes, show absolutely. some active appreciation, I mean, in this day and age, it's um, much easier than people finding think. somebody online and and just uh, <clears throat> getting to know them through uh, what they're doing online is it's such an easy way. Uh, but Daniel, I want to turn this conversation a little bit in a different direction. So right now we stayed a lot in the whole wedding DJ thing. But you say that you are now more and more coaching people. Sure. And I'm guessing you're coaching them on um, how to keep their clients happy and satisfied. Sure. Um, so let's say that I want to start working with you. I'm an entrepreneur and I vibe with what you just said i want to be like that as well like what are some of the you know starting things that you know you could share with me that i i can implement right away or very quickly and start seeing positive return on the investment uh through my business So yeah, a few things pop into mind. To directly answer your question, I want everybody listening to this to write down your top five most um, most loyal clients or, or people that you've connected with or they've appreciated your work so much. Write down your top five or 10, depending on the price point in which they're purchasing from you. And just do something nice out of nowhere. Just do something nice. Don't send them a, a Christmas card on Christmas. Do it at a random time. Studies have shown that people care more about the random gifts than any other predictable holiday card. So if you can do something really nice and just like, I, so there was a bride who, who I was speaking to and she was going in to get her tonsils removed. I know it's not a sexy topic for podcasting, but she was getting her tonsils removed in like two days. And we just spoke for the first time on the phone. She said, I'm just so looking forward to working with you. You really get us. I was like, wow, that was really nice. And I particularly um, got such a, a great vibe by this couple. And I said, I'm going to just send her something in like, a, in like a get well format. So what did I do? I went on Amazon. I found a cute little teddy bear that had like a little, like a little sick um, ice bag on its head. And you know, I, I wrote her a little, hey, get well soon. I hope your surgery went well. This, 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 and this. It was $12. It wasn't even the cost that mattered, folks. That's the point. 
It was $12. I only had one conversation with them. They didn't even send me a deposit yet, which we usually get in the beginning. And I just sent her, get well soon. I hope everything went well. And she wrote this long email. She said, I was oh hoping goodness, you will say that you sent her an ice cream. You. You know, when they remove I never even worked you need to yet. eat a lot of ice cream. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, but it would have melted in the mail, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, to, but, but, to, but to jump in and, and to kind of full circle answer the question, it would be, I help people understand how they should be positioning themselves Service is one thing. The customer experience kind of category that, that we've been speaking about a lot is, an, is a massive way to differentiate yourself. But let's pretend those of you listening, you're trying to rise above the noise. You're in a market where there's other people in it, and you're trying to figure out how can I rise above the competition. I'm in New York City, arguably one of the most um, busy, competitive oversaturated markets, especially in my wedding market, but New York City is New York City. How did I rise above the noise and the competition? So little background is I am priced in the top 10% of the highest services in New York City, and people are gladly paying them. Not because I have 40 years experience, but because I know how to position my company for the right customer. I'm a firm believer that price is used as a filter to attract the right type of customer. If I was charging $500 to $1,000, I actually would not be attracting the right clients for the kind of passion and love and, and energy that I bring to events. So what am I recommending here? So the biggest thing for me is positioning and branding. There's a lot of people on this podcast that have great services or they have a great product but their branding is subpar and if you want to be in a premium priced category all of the pieces to your puzzle need to be aligned you know the example is there's plenty of djs in the entertainment world um, mobile djs in particular not a calvin harris he's more of a producer um, but really mobile djs that are great DJs. They know how to play great music, but they don't know how to communicate their brand to the ideal customer. So one of the things that I teach is if you're trying to be a premium priced service provider in your category, you need to have professionally branded materials. You can't show up in a nice suit, but your website looks like a bathing suit. You can't. People are not going to take you seriously. And there's companies, there's small businesses, there's entrepreneurs that, are, that struggle year after year because they don't know how to grow or they don't know how to charge more. Or, and really the simple answer is branding and positioning. So how do you do it? What do you do? What I would say is think about what kind of customer you want to attract. Are you currently attracting them now or are or do you aspire to attract this ideal client? Think about that customer. Even create an avatar around who that person is. What is their name? What is their income? 
Where do they live? What interests do they have? What restaurants do they love to eat at? What hotels do they prefer to stay at? Build a whole profile on this person. And then think about, okay, what kind of stuff do they like? Because if your website looks like Walmart, then you're going to attract Walmart and you're never going to be able to attract the premium. But if you can, and here's, here's a tip for your whole audience, do something called modeling. This is exactly what I do with my brand. Model other brands in other industries that attract your customer. So for me, I wanted to be the Ritz Carlton, the Apple Inc. of the entertainment business. And who, and who did I model? I modeled Apple Inc., Ritz Carlton. I modeled Rolls Royce. I, mo I modeled Bentley. I modeled Chanel, Tom Ford. And what is modeling? It's getting inspiration and design ideas and design aesthetics. It's not copying. It's modeling. The biggest brands in the world model the biggest brands in the world. The iPhone was one of a kind once before. Now look at every smartphone and where do you think that's modeled after? The, the iPhone. Now, granted, I'm sure there's been a lot of legal uh, patent infringements that have happened on, on their side, but on design and branding, you know, modeling even the way a, a website is built, what, what is the layouts? What are the wireframes? How is it broken down? I challenge everybody to build the ideal customer and then model your brand off of what type of brands that they're interacting with. Now, the other thing is entrepreneurs, they don't have a lot of money or sometimes they don't have, you know, cash flow is, is a little bit tight. Something that I did that I learned from, uh, from a friend is I actually outsourced design work and development work. There are websites like upwork.com where you can find really talented designers, developers, marketers to help you bring your brand either from zero to a hundred or from 25 to a hundred to really elevate your brand and find these people online. Now, everybody's not a rock star. Not everybody's going to be great. So you need to hire uh, what I recommend is start with like a mini project, hire five people, maybe pay them $50 each, hundred dollars each to build you, you know, let's say a web, a web designed project. Give them inspiration. Give them direction. Tell them, look, this is the these are the brands that I, you know, that my customer loves. And you can build a really beautiful brand for much less than you think. Um, nothing against hiring locally, wherever in the world that you are. Uh, I'm here in the United States, so it could be really expensive to hire somebody to do branding and, and design work for you, like 20k just for for a, a lot of those services. But I challenge you folks who are listening to get onto a website like Upwork or uh, there's other uh, other sites for that and find no, I some talent that could potentially agree. bring you uh, I mean, um, much, much not more. Not on maybe all of the specifics that you mentioned, your brand. Um, but, you know, it's really the key is in understanding your audience. Um, and, you know, like, for example, I could be wearing suits but that would be a turnoff for 
the entrepreneurs that I communicate with, even, you know, the entrepreneurs that are already making seven, eight, nine figures, because, you know, today, if you're an entrepreneur, you're more like Mark Zuckerberg with the t-shirts or, you know, so, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I agree. But the key, like, like the key is, um, so looking at it less yeah. black and uh, white, I guess that example more like for, the for key my, is for my really industry. the Sorry, understanding of your audience. And then uh, the brand needs and, and your content and all of that needs to talk to that specific niche. Because you're if you're aiming at the millennials, it's a completely different story, even with the same product, than if you are going for the baby boomers. And maybe it's the same product or same service, but you can't talk to those two audiences in the same way. You can't use same branding, same visual uh, visuals and, and all of that to represent uh, your product or your service. You need to really deeply understand uh, a certain part of your audience and you can't go, you know, like I see with a lot of entrepreneurs, yeah, we serve people from 20 to 70. Um, yes, you can, but not with one way of communication because a 60-year-old won't understand the, the slang or the words or, you know, whatever you're trying to communicate the same way as a 20-year-old. Absolutely. Absolutely. Completely Absolutely. agree. Yeah, Daniel, you know, know, um, know who you're trying to target. question that I really enjoy. Tell us a little bit about Daniel. Character I mean, you've shared so much value already, business value and so on. But, you know, um, who is Daniel? Who is Daniel? You know, I, I think one of my secret powers is that I come from a family that didn't try to put me in any lane um, whatsoever. Um, I lucky to have parents that are, are still married. They've been married something like 33, 33 years, something like that. And was just lucky to have a great upbringing that allowed me to, to just have emotional intelligence and being from New York street smarts. I started, I was a class clown, you know, like a lot of kids. I started and was, was young. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, you know, music was something that I, I was drawn to. And, you know, here we are, I'm, I'm 32 years old now and lucky to be in a really, really um, opportunistic part of, of the world. And, you know, it's gotten to the point for me now that I've had such success in my entertainment business where I want to now help others have success with just some some tweaks in their in their positioning. And you know, what really drives me now and today is giving to people without expectation. Um, I'm building um, these online groups where you know i'm just providing value providing value teaching people just like i tr attempted to teach today on what they can do to really stand out and then you know let's pretend i help a thousand people maybe uh, maybe two or three of those people 
may want to work more closely with, with somebody like me to help them um, accelerate that growth. So, you know, the, I know that maybe wasn't everything you wanted to hear. I went right back into business talk, but, um, you know, let's see, I've, I've lucky to, I'm lucky to have be, I'm lucky to be a scuba diver. I've, I've scuba dived all over the place from Jamaica to Dominican Republic to Ibiza and Spain. Uh, what else? I'm, I'm one of three. So I'm the oldest of um, three. My brother is in the web analytics space. So he's in the digital marketing world. He's helped me on the technical side because I'm more the creative. So, uh, and then my sister, she's the youngest. She's a teacher. She's based in Colorado now. That's and, really super nice. And I'm just lucky that to, to I mean, have yeah, really you, you great shared foundations a little bit. around me. Now, um, if we go uh, back very to the fortunate business where I am right now before in life, before we wave really happy to be each here, other yeah, goodbye, and I mean, not literally because we are doing this without a video, but um, who, like, okay, let, let's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure not many of my listeners are from New York and getting to be married tomorrow and in need of DJ. Uh, but let's stick maybe to more your online coaching consulting business. So who's your ideal client and where can they find you? And I mean, you don't have to share all your links because uh, all the links that you already shared with me uh, will be in the show notes, just maybe the the main one or two where you want majority of people to connect with you. Sure. So, you know, the kind of people I'm looking to work with is service-based businesses that are trying to be more of a premium brand. Now, I'm actually working in the wedding niche now. So DJs, photographers, anybody in those niches. But what I teach are really principles that apply to anybody in the service-based business on how to stand out, uh, be extraordinary. And these are principles that I'm pulling from um, just from years of, of understanding people and psychology. Back to actually working at Apple, I think that was one of the experiences of my life that really allowed me to understand all the different types of people. They say, if you have some customer experience, uh, sorry, not customer experience, customer service skills in a workplace like an Apple or really in any retail setting, it gives you a bit of a competitive advantage because you get to understand people and the different types of personalities and how to adjust your, your tone and delivery to a more sensitive or a more introverted person or match their energy at a higher, more outgoing level. And I think I, understanding people is something that is at the foundation of business and branding and, and, and positioning. So, you know, we'd love to work with anybody in, in the service-based industry um, and even niched down to the wedding market around DJs, photographers, or really anybody in that industry. You could reach me at www.daniel.nyc, D-A-N-I-E-L dot N-Y-C. And uh, yeah, that was a branding move on my part to have a, a domain <laughs> with uh, a short URL and uh, just trying to make it nice and easy no, for when I have conversations good, good like for you. this. How, how, what I do you bought that domain like five years ago and I just started using it a couple coach. months ago. 
because it's hard to say my entire name.com. So I made a, a simple version of it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I find it that many people are, you know, still, you know, trying to put in fail.coach.com. That's um, I just coach. That's the domain ending. So yeah. Um Daniel. Um well, you know what? Thank you for being a guest on my show. Hello. Thank you for sharing <laughs> all this knowledge and, and dropping the value bombs, how the kids say it these days. Um and um just one more thing before before you say goodbye um what's the one thing the you know like the most important business advice that you feel is worth sharing with the audience just yes. as a as a thank you um you know as a farewell I would say the one thing is if you want to grow, if you want to be appreciated or liked more on the personal side, on the business side, for your customers, uh, you know, from business to business, from, from networking, don't go into social interactions or meeting settings with thinking, how can I benefit this for myself? But rather, how can I help this person without expectations? How can I just give, 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 and just provide as much value as possible? It's quite the opposite of the way a lot of people think. Because I've been to networking settings where everybody's like, hey, here's what I do. Um, you know, Maybe we can work together. But instead of somebody taking a genuine curiosity in what the, the person that they're speaking to them does and how they can help, I would say the most meaningful connections I've made is when I've been trying to help somebody or somebody's been trying to help me and we're not trying to sell each other anything. We're just generally trying to be great people to the, to that other person. And then sometimes it's like, my goodness, I enjoyed, Oh my gosh, I enjoyed this so much. I need you to come to my conference in Miami and host a host an expo that is happening. And you know what? That's, that's a true story. I help somebody so un unconditionally with just value, 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 value. They said, hey, can we pay you a large sum of money to come to Miami? I didn't ask him for it, but my genuine authenticity rang through with wanting to help. Not wanting to help earn their business, but just help them. It, actually, I was just helping on a personal level. Somebody was, was going through some stuff and we were just helping on a personal level and it led to great things. So what I would leave with everybody is Give without expectation and just help, help, help. And in the law of reciprocity, people will want to help you back. Maybe not everybody, but you don't want those other people anyway. You want the people that have that genuine kindness to them. You want people that have the same values as you. And with that law of reciprocity of you helping them and them wanting to help you know you, what daniel your personal I'll relationships will flourish you right your now. business relationships you know what's will flourish, the number one business will flourish uh, and you'll just feel like think, a better person and uh, life will get when better. it comes to my brand uh or or the number one value um that for me personally and and also of course it reflects into my business is uh 
we give without expecting anything in return. I know you didn't know that, but but that's 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 my number one. Um, because that's what why I'm doing the inter- like even um, I was one of the lucky few that. on LinkedIn to do LinkedIn Live. I fairly um, didn't know that. Uh, I, right. I mean that beta group, and most others are just using that to promote themselves. I just do interviews and I bring other people who don't have LinkedIn Live yet, and you know I expose okay. them to my community to and, and so that right. they can share what they do, how they do. I try to find people who I strongly stand behind and believe that what they're doing is full of integrity and and all of that so that they have to kind of align with my values and you know um why don't i help them uh, get a bit more visibility so everything that i do is really just giving without expecting anything in return i don't even expect from that person anything i just believe in karma to be honest but i'm always saying that i just have that one funnel which is giving value but if you master that you can give without expecting that's very important yeah and it took me a long time to really really practice it to be able to come to the point where i really don't expect anything at all from anybody anymore um, i think that's when the biggest return on your investment or the biggest roi just happens yeah Oh yeah, it'll just be more fulfillment in life. Yeah, I absolutely. I, 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 I 100 or 150% stand by what you just said. So, uh, thank you. You were the first one to say that. Uh, with all the interviews, uh, I mean, they give amazing advice, but you were the first one to say this one, and I really think that that one is probably one of the most important ones. When you can get yourself to the point where you get out of your head and you connect with the heart and you just come into other people's life from that place of giving, um, magic starts happening. But it's very hard to get that. Yes. Yes. Listen, the ultimate, yes, the ultimate fulfillment for me and a lot of people in here are trying to figure out is money the true fulfillment, you know, newsflash, it's not. And I'm, I'm not by any means a wealthy, rich person, but I have many friends who are, and they're still looking for that fulfillment. True fulfillment is giving to people, making yourself happy being around others that share those same values and growing, growing with each other. I think the true happiness is in fulfillment. And for me, and certainly for you, Mina is, it is so fulfilling to give to people wisdom that we're so lucky to understand and experience that we're so lucky to have experienced um, so that they can understand the true psychology of what it means to, to be successful. I think there's just there's so really many one explanation success, for, but, you know, being, you know, have being fulfillment, successful. Ultimately have it's happiness. when you're happy. Give to others. and well, Whatever you're doing, if, if, you know, like whatever you are doing, however much you have, 
I mean, I'm not going to go now into the whole my story, but, you know, because my audience already knows that. In 2009, I went from plus 15 million US to minus five. I lost 20 million overnight. And and now I'm nowhere near those 15 million, uh, I, you know, really honestly, but I'm so much more happy than I ever was back then because all of that was just, you know, on the outside and, there was this big emptiness inside me. And now, I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing really well. I can't say I'm, I'm not doing really well. But, you know, I, I, I don't right. have those millions. But I'm so happy and fulfilled on the inside. There really isn't any money that can buy that. Uh, and that warm feeling, that warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart when you know that you've done something good, that you've helped, somebody i i'm not even counting anymore how many random acts of kindness i do every day it's not any longer you know like do one a day because like um anywhere i go everywhere i do i have this wish that you know when i live a place or or when i you know when i enter somebody's life i want to know that that i made a positive impact a positive difference that i did something that will positively um influence um that place or or that person but yeah i mean i failed again because usually i want to keep those interviews at around 30 minutes and somehow um sharon uh, uh, a shout out to sharon she's sending the amazing people my way and we just can't stop talking but we are already at one hour mark so we better finish so i will say daniel Thank you. I really appreciate you. I appreciate everything that you've shared with us, uh, uh, your values, your beliefs, the way you do things, the way you want to positively impact uh, the entrepreneurial world and the world around you. Um, And I better stop with all of that before we start crying. So thank you. It was really, really a huge pleasure having you um, on my podcast. <laughs> Miha, well, it's been an absolute honor, and I think we share so many values with each other. And your listeners are lucky to have you because uh, not everybody Thank is you. lucky Thank to you. understand things the way that you understand things. And I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing for the community, and uh, keep it up. I hope that we can meet one day. Take care. Bye-bye.